This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA here at the start of the week. It's Monday, February 7th. And we've got a good show coming today. We're going to be talking weather with John Baranek of DTN Weather here in segment two. We'll be talking politics. Well, I should say we'll be talking policy with Jackie Fatka, the policy editor from Farm Progress here in segment three. But first, these markets, particularly the grain markets, are really moving to start the week to help us get a handle on what all is going on in the world of the commodity markets. Jim McCormick from agmarket.net is joining me today. Jim, soybeans are on a roll. What's going on in the soybean market? They are on a tear, and it's a weather-driven market, Mike, right now. South America's forecast is hot and dry this week, and you know we're putting weather premium in, and the reality is this. For every bushel of beans that is being lost in South America, it's a bushel of demand that may come back to the United States and uh you know, we're in a, kind of a rationing mode as well as maybe even trying to buy some acres for this upcoming season. Yeah, Jim, this South American weather continues to be a major story in the markets. For our listeners up here who aren't always plugged into what's happening down in South America, where are they at in their harvest and how does it compare to years past? Well, if you look at where they're at, they were a little bit behind, but, you know, the northern part of the country in Brazil continues to get way too much rain, so it's really lagging on their harvest, which actually can be a little bit bullish corn because if they can't get that corn that bean crop out they can't get the corn crop in the safrina crop which is the biggest crop so that's going on in the north but you get to the southern part of brazil uruguay paraguay argentina they just finished wrapping up planting so some of their plants are really just at the very beginning of that growth stage and they're fighting this heat and dryness so it's a big continent now they're you know they expand from just finishing to harvesting but you know the, the crux of it is uh, this crop is getting smaller in the trade's eyes and that's hence the uh, increase in value all right, Jim, there's going to be an increase in value. We're seeing a little bit of that increase today. Beans right now up 25 cents, almost, uh, you know, a lot of the, the contracts here. Looking at that March and May contract, Jim, we're within spitting distance of $16 for beans. Is that going to come into play here in the short term? I think so. It's going to be really interesting. We had, Remember, Mike, we got this big USDA report on Wednesday, and that could be something we need to keep an eye on because, you know, the rhetoric is the South America crop is going to be down in our 15, 20, 25 million metric tons. We do think the crop is going to get smaller, but the odds say that the USDA is probably not going to drop this crop as hard as what the trade rhetoric is. And that could maybe cause a little bit of a kind of a buy the rumor, sell the fact. I want to caution the listeners on Wednesday, because a year ago, mind you, that crop dropped down in Brazil down to 129 was the rhetoric of how small that crop was. Well, when it was all said and done, the crop ended up closer to 138. So the trade has a history of kind of overshooting the runway on how bad's bad and then have to back it up. And we're probably in that process right now, but we just don't know how much we're going to have to back it up. The government, on the other hand, tends to take a more of a slow walk up. So like I said, the odds are the report is not going to be as bullish as the trade rhetoric. And that might, after this quick run of the last week and a half, might cause a little bit of profit taking. Well, Jim, let's talk about that report. It's coming out on Wednesday, February supply and demand estimates from the USDA. Where does agmarket.net have the USDA figure uh, printed for soybean carryout? We're looking forward to get just a little bit smaller, plain and simple. We think, you know, if you look at the exports, we think more exports are going to come our way. So I think they'll bump up the exports on that. On the corn number, we're thinking the exports will go up a little bit. Ethanol number is probably going to stay stagnant. The ethanol carryout, well, was really looking bullish here a few weeks ago when the ethanol industry was going really, really hot. Ethanol margins are back to kind of normal. So they'll probably be ethanol situation alone, raise exports a little bit. So we think the index will in general get a little bit tighter, a little bit friendly. All right. And Jim, you touched on ethanol there. I want to take us over to the corn market. That ethanol in particular, we saw a huge build in domestic stocks last week in ethanol. What does that tell you? Are we seeing the U.S. consumers start to slow down their travel? I think they are slowing down the travel a little bit, but I think that will pick up when it's all said and done. I was at a farm show here just the other week. They had over 1,100 people show up in Michigan for us. So I think you're going to see people get more and more travel as they go into springtime. So I think that, that build is a little bit of a blip. The other thing positive on the ethanol side is you've got to look at the exports. The exports have been going on very well, and I think that's going to continue. 
Jim, let's talk the oil complex here. Soybean oil continues to scream higher. Just pulled up the chart looking at the March bean oil contract. We're at 65 bucks. Where does the steam start to run out here in the bean oil? Well, I think you're probably getting a level. We're probably getting a little bit in front of our skis. I mean, what's going on in the bean oil? There's two things. There's a couple things that are driving it. Production problems around the world's got people excited about it. The other thing is this bio-renewable fuel industry. A lot of people are getting excited about that. I think they, that's probably a little bit too early just yet. I think that's something very exciting down the line. We're going to build out something like 400 million bushels worth of soybean crush capacity over the next couple of years. So you got to think, invest your money on that. And then lastly, Mike, you just got people coming in on the inflationary play. You have a lot of money sloshing around the industry, and they're looking at ways to actually play that you know, food inflation, one way to do it is buy, uh, you know, soil oil. So that's the, that's the other thing helping drive it at this point in time. Okay. Jim, I, I want to take our focus over to the livestock markets. Was looking at lean hogs today and the April through the July, all over a hundred bucks. Is this also part of that inflationary play or is investor money looking to, to hedge itself against risks by moving into livestock? It's a couple things. One, the charts. You got the, the pure charts are looking very bullish, making new highs. The investors are looking at inflate are definitely looking at the inflationary play buying the protein that's driving we also have this trucker strike going on in our, our blockades going on in canada because of the vaccine protocol so we're not getting meat south from coming across the canadian border so that's a little bit positive and then lastly you look at the supply of hogs in the united states they just continue to contract if you look at the isolated pigs it's hard to get your hands on them so if you look at the downdraft down the line the supply of the hogs is probably going to continue to tighten but if you look at the economy as a whole, that jobs number was very, very good. People are going back to work. You know, the Omicron variant virus, uh, you know, people, you know, sicknesses are dropping, hospitalizations are dropping. So that sets us up for a very bullish kind of demand push going into spring and into the summertime as consumers who've been kind of locked in the last couple of years, just take that exhale and go out on vacation and go out to eat. Go out to eat. Well put. When folks go out to eat, Jim, a lot of them might be eating steaks. Uh, where do you see this uh, live cattle market turning here in the in, through the week ahead? Well, right now, I think overall, you've got to be a little bit positive on the cattle market. Um, you know, we are a little bit overbought, so we couldn't we could pull back a little bit, but you had the winter storm out there. But it's the same situation. You've just got a lot of money flow at the market. But we are a little bit overbought. We will get some beef and pork numbers on Wednesday as well. They usually don't grab the headlines like the grains do. So you could get a technical correction at any time of how overbought it is. But in general, the trend seems like it's up as demand's there and that, that investor money's there as well. Jim, do you think interest rates are going to keep hiking this year from the Fed? I think they are going to do it. I mean, but some of it is priced in. The, you know, remember, the, all the all the big banks, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, are all talking two, four, six interest rates hikes in. So no, some of that's priced in, and that's something we need to keep an eye on. So you have to remember where they're starting these interest rates from, Mike. You're starting at a zero to a quarter point interest rate. So theoretically, if they raise it four times this year, in theory, your interest rate's only going to be at 1%. Now, granted, if you got a credit card, you're not getting 1% interest rate. But we are starting at the lower level. But they more likely will raise it a little bit. Markets, Jim McCormick of agmarket.net. Thanks for talking to us today. Thank you for having me on. And folks, stick around when AOA returns. John Baranek of DTN Weather will join us. We'll take a look at what could be falling from the skies in the week ahead. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today.
choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for making AOA a part of your day on this Wednesday, February 7th. Excuse me, Monday, February 7th. My goodness, what am I thinking? Well, I tell you, it is time to discuss the weather. Keeping us up to speed is John Baranek of DTN Weather. John, looks like the chill is starting to leave the area for a lot of our listeners here across the Northern Plains. Yeah, uh, this week is going to be on the warmer side of normal. You know, we still have some cooler temperatures from a clipper that went through uh, over the weekend here across the Midwest, but uh, those are going to be quickly on their way out here tomorrow. And uh, for the most part, we're going to be above normal for almost all of the country here for a few days at least. Our clipper systems are going to continue to move through, but move through Canada instead of the U.S. So uh, we're not going to have a whole lot of impact until one comes through kind of Thursday and Friday. That one's going to be the one that kind of has the most impact to the country um, not in terms of precipitation, and we still don't expect a whole lot of precipitation with it, but it'll bring the cooler temperatures back into the middle of the country, at least for uh, a few days. So, John, it sounds like some thawing might be happening here. I was just pulling up a temperature map. It looks like we're going to see mid-50s all the way up into Montana, it looks like today. Yeah, the uh, the warmth in the plains is really going to be quite noticeable, and that extends up into the Canadian prairies, too. Um, with these clippers, usually what happens, especially when they move through Canada, we get some uh, downsloping winds off the Rocky Mountains. And uh, without getting too technical, with, when they do that, they get, uh, they get pretty warm as, as, as they move down the Rockies uh, from higher elevations down to lower elevations. So uh, nice Chinook winds is what we call them. Um, and they come rolling through kind of breezy when they do, uh, but it's a nice warm wind. How much breeze are we talking, John? Who's going to get the wind? Yeah, so really, if you're close to the Rockies out there in the high plains, you're going to feel it the most. Uh, there are There is a wind advisory out in Montana right now for today and tomorrow. But uh, as we go out you know, into the Dakotas and in Nebraska, um, you know, we're kind of talking about wind gusts of kind of 40 miles an hour or so. Not too strong. Um, but uh, when they come with the warmth, they'll, they'll feel much nicer than they do when they're coming out of the Northwest and they're bringing down that cold Canadian air, that's for sure. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, a breeze is a breeze, but when it's carrying 50-degree air versus 20-degree air, that's a noticeable difference. John, you mentioned that most of the country is going to be above average here this week. Who's going to get the, the bulk of the heat? Who's going to be the highest above average this week? And it's going to be right out there in the plains. Uh, as we see the, the, the wind flowing down the mountains and warming up, uh, that's where we're going to see it the most. And these clippers that are going to come through uh, Canada this week they don't have a whole lot of, of cold air. That for, the first one doesn't. That's going to move through kind of Tuesday and, and into Wednesday, some isolated snow showers with it, but doesn't have a whole lot of cold air with it. A lot of that's coming from the Pacific Ocean. But this one that's uh, coming through later this week uh, will be on the colder side, especially across the Midwest. Um, so, you know, the nice warm temperatures we'll get over the next few days are going to be tempered by the ones, uh, the colder ones that come in later in the week. And we'll keep those averages intact, it sounds like. John, let's talk about that second clipper that's going to be coming through later on this week. Who's going to see those cold temps or any any precipitation? Does it look like there? you mentioned there might not be much? Is, is anybody at risk of anything falling from the sky? Yeah, in terms of anything, you know, measurable, really, and or, or plowable in terms of snowfall, it looks like mostly kind of the northern Great Lakes, so northern Minnesota, northern Wisconsin, um, maybe uh, lower Michigan might have some too if we get uh, some enhancement off, the, off of Lake Michigan. Uh, but it's going to come with a mix of rain and some of it too because we're, you know, we've got such warm temperatures uh, for much of this week that you know, we could see some rain out of it instead of snow, which is a little interesting. And, you know, that could happen all the way up into, into Manitoba. So um, you know, rainfall in, in, in early to mid-February is not something we usually talk about that far north, but you know, we're in a little bit of an interesting set of circumstances. Um, but the, the precipitation, for the most part, will stay, the heaviest uh, will stay up in, into Canada, though. So we'll, we'll see some lights and maybe some moderate spot stuff in, in, in some areas, but for the most part, it's going to be light or dry. John, let's talk about the Southern Plains and the Southern Corn Belt through the Delta. It's been so dry in the Southern Plains. Are you seeing any pattern changes that might unlock some moisture for the wheat and pasture country down there? Not for the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, these clippers that come through, their cold fronts drop through the, the, the plains and into the delta at times. Um, and, uh, but, you know, they don't really pick up a whole lot of moisture. They don't have time in the, to really draw moisture out of the Gulf of Mexico um, to, to, for those fronts to be very active. Um, so we may see some isolated showers out of them uh, this week, but really we're not seeing anything either this week uh, or early next week that really see that shows any potential now kind of as we get to the middle of next week it looks like uh, one of these clippers is going to dig far enough south that it will be able to draw up some of that moisture from the gulf of mexico but not for the plains that's be kind of for the delta region up through the eastern midwest so um really when we talk about some good precipitation events out in the southern plains we need a, a good trough of low pressure to be out in the western states. And we don't really see that until possibly the last week of February. Uh, models are mixed on whether or not that will occur. But when that happens, then we see storm systems track kind of from Texas northeast to the Great Lakes and wraps in a bunch of Gulf of moisture into, um, into the southern plains. So we're going to have to wait, it uh, looks like, another couple of weeks at least and uh, potentially a little bit longer into March before that happens. All right, John, while we've got you, let's go down to South America. We've got the soybean market rallying right now. A lot of concerns about weather ahead down in both Brazil and Argentina. What are you watching down there in those two countries? Yeah, we're back to their La Nina pattern that we have seen uh, in those areas, basically all of uh, November, December, and most of January as well. Um, really what that meant was a lot, of, a lot of rainfall in central and northern Brazil. You know, they had some flooding issues up there. Um, they're, they're having problems with getting uh, into their fields to harvest their, their soybeans and, and plant their safrina corn. But, you know, that's left Argentina and southern Brazil in drought. And besides, you know, kind of a 10-day period there in, in the mid to late January, they haven't seen a whole lot of precipitation. And, uh, you know, they're back into that La Nina pattern without much. Um, really what they see is long extended periods of dryness. Every so often a cold front will move through. Uh, and it'll bring some spotty showers, but then it leaves and they're left with another dry stretch. And that's really what we're looking at through probably the entire month of February. And a lot of those late planted crops and kind of the safrina ones uh, down in southern Brazil, 
are either entering or, or thinking about entering their reproductive stages at that time you know, at the end of February here. And you know, it's not the it's not the kind of conditions you want when your when your crops are are going into their reproductive stages. Not at all. No, no, you certainly don't like to see that. Those Brazilian growers won't be pleased. But how do temps look? I know it's going to be dry. Is it also going to be hot? Well, for the next couple of days, it's it's on the cooler side. Um, the front kind of went through them over the weekend, and uh, some nice cooler temperatures moved in. Um, but, you know, as, as the next uh, system approaches here, late this weekend into the weekend, temperatures will warm back up. You know, even below normal temperatures for them are kind of, lower 80s to lower 90s so it never really gets you know real cool down there um so um you know above normal temperatures are you know talking about mid 90s to lower 100s and that looks like that's going to come in for the late half of the week cold front that moves through them is not as strong so they'll kind of go back to their normal temperatures which is like mid 80s to mid 90s and then uh next week there it looks like they'll probably be a little bit above normal again um talking temperatures again in the 90s and lower hundreds. All right, John, as that La Nina uh, effect comes back into power there across South America, are, are we seeing changes in the La Nina oscillation? Is it still weakening? It is still weakening. Um, you know, it takes some time to do so. And really what we're seeing is right now, just right at the surface, uh, we're seeing some weakening, but uh, a little bit below the surface, it's still a little bit cool. So. Um, it's not going away, not yet, and uh, most models really don't have that going into a neutral state instead of the colder La Nina state until probably May or so. So we've got uh, we got some time yet for for La Nina to be impacting conditions. All right, John. Before we let you go for this week ahead, is there anything else growers need to have in mind? Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, we're we're still in. You know, worried about the plains, the western states with the drought going on. Uh, we don't really see a whole lot of uh, conditions going on, even through the spring, that will change that. Uh, and in the eastern Corn Belt, we're looking at, uh, you know, some wetter conditions starting to come up in, in, uh, in March and April. So, you know, early planting might be a little, little rough going. So we'll just have to keep our eyes on that, though. Keep our eyes on this guy, John Baranek of DTN Weather. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. All right. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Appreciate it. And folks, stick around. Jackie Fack, a policy editor with Farm Progress, will join us next. We'll talk about what's been happening in Washington, D.C. Stay tuned to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, as we take a look at the row crops, we see prices continue to be driven higher with the latest forecast for southern Brazil and Argentina looking mostly dry the next two weeks. That is a big driver here as we head into the February WASDE report coming out later this week. And we see that Friday's CFTC data also showed speculators adding to net long positions in both corded soybeans as of February 1st. USDA announced an, another 18.6 million bushels of soybeans sold to unknown here today, 9.1 million of which for the old crop, the rest for a new crop. Crude oil is trading down a little bit 
And so overall, these markets are sharply higher here in the soy complex again, with quarter wheat moving higher as well amid uh, also geopolitical concerns, rising tensions between Russia and Ukraine. Once again, the wheat market has backed off just a little bit. Over in the livestock sector, we see as we start the week that we have uh, mixed trade with hogs trading higher. Cattle features are a little more mixed. Feedlots are anxious to push the cash cattle market higher again this week and equally as anxious to see how many of the cattle sold last week were bought with time. Action isn't expected in the cash market until Wednesday or later. Right now, March quarter of eight and three quarters, 629 and a quarter. July quarter of eight and three quarters, 627 and a quarter. March beans up 23 and a half, 1577. July up 23 and a quarter, 1576 and three quarters. March bean meal at 590 a ton, 449.80. March bean oil at 36.6572. March Chicago wheat up one and a half, 764 and three quarters. March KC wheat down a quarter, 785 and a half. March spring wheat up one and a quarter, 914 and a quarter. February live cattle down 2, 142.02. March feeders down 80, 165.30. February hogs up 107 at 88.10. Crude oil down $1.04 a barrel, 91.27. You're listening to AOA. For the American Ag Network, I'm Jesse Allen. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed at this time. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, AOA continues here on this Monday. And one other thing that continues is discussions over the waters of the U.S. in Washington, D.C. We've been talking about that quite a bit here over the past several weeks because there's been a lot of news about WOTUS. EPA is reconsidering, excuse me, rewriting WOTUS. And the Supreme Court last week or two weeks ago, rather, announced they're going to hear a Clean Water Act case. This has set up some conversations in Washington, D.C. to help us make sense of those conversations. Jackie Fatka, the policy editor at Farm Progress, joins me today. Jackie, the Senate is getting involved in this EPA rewrite of SCOTUS, or excuse me, of WOTUS, aren't they? You know, they are wanting to make sure that their voice is heard. And as you mentioned, there has been some some developments. And just to kind of recap, uh, last December, this administration had done part of the process of the repeal and rewrite of what they would like to have as the as what is a waters of the U.S. And so right now, actually, today is February 7th. There is a comment period that's closing today on their proposed kind of pre-rule. Um, and, and that actually closes today. Now, within the last couple of weeks, the Supreme Court has decided that it would take up a very important case um, called Sackett versus EPA uh, to determine whether the Ninth Cur- Circuit uh, properly determined whether a, a wetlands was a water of the U.S. And, and this actually goes back to a couple who was wanting to build a house, but building a house near some some wetlands. And this all goes back to this, this what is considered a significant nexus. If it's just a pond that has no water that, that goes from that, is that considered a wetland? You know, for farmers, a lot of them have wetlands either near their property or on their property. And so this 
significant nexus with something that the Obama rule had in 2015? And, and what is considered a significant nexus? How does water travel and how close is it to a, an, a body of water that creates that, quote, significant nexus? And that was something in the Trump rule that was not included. And so, um, and that, that, quote, significant nexus comes from just the kind of a split opinion that came out of the Supreme Court several years ago. So as the Supreme Court takes this up and we have a new makeup of a, a, a more leaning conservative uh, lineup of judges on the Supreme Court, it will be really interesting to see. So yeah, you you mentioned the Republican senators jumping in and they're basically saying, hey, we need to pause. We need to pause on this rule that the Biden administration is trying to move forward until we know what the Supreme Court says, because obviously it, it could change how this rule should be written. So we've not heard anything for sure, but today's February 7th, and they also didn't extend those comments. Okay, so the comment period closes today, is that right? Correct. All right, folks, if you want to make some comments, now is the time. Today is the day to get that done. You can do that. Just Google EPA WOTUS comments. It'll, that's how I get there to get you to the, the comment page. Jackie, maybe you've got a better way for folks to get there? You know, I can be sure to share a, a website. It's on the regulatory.gov website, um, but I'll, I'll be sure to, to pass on the, the comment link for anyone. But, you know, this is an important time for farmers to really say, hey, you know what? This is what it would mean to me, and this is how... We need to make sure that that we don't go, um, you know, over overarching from the the federal water authority when it comes to how it impacts farmers. So yeah, I really would encourage all farmers. I know that it's not always fun, but even some of the the um, Farm Bureau has a a form letter that you can link directly from there, and that way you can have your own insight, but also have it come in from from them so you don't have to go searching through regulatory.gov but we'll make sure that your your listeners have a, a link to that today perfect folks and we will share that on the show's twitter page you can find us at aoa underscore talk show that's the aoa on twitter jackie so a group of republican senators wrote this letter to the epa said hey hit pause let's hear how the supreme court shakes out on this cwa lawsuit i want to ask you though the the senate doesn't have any rulemaking authority necessarily over the epa so will they listen I, you know, this is this is one of those situations where EPA can do whatever it wants. Um, yeah, you're right. There's no authority that the Senate has, and this is just a letter, but it is uh, elected officials who are asking a government agency to pause. And so uh, this is one of those times where your elected officials are trying to advocate on, on behalf of what they're probably hearing from a lot of folks. You know, a lot of people have been back doing listening sessions in their home states, counties. And I, I am sure that WOTUS has been loudly talked about at some of those listening sessions. So we can just hope that EPA listens. Um, obviously, they they definitely have the ability to pause this. And this is something that actually a lot of the farm groups also asked when the Supreme Court officially said that they would be hearing this because everybody's been watching this rule, how this administration would go forward with this rule. And now that the Supreme Court could take up an important component of that rule, I think everyone is is trying to say, hey, let's not ram this forward. Let's take a little bit of a pause and make sure that we do this right and not have to have this continued back and forth pendulum swing. Oh, boy, that would be good to hear if that's how it actually shakes out. So folks, get those comments in. make sure the EPA is aware of how WOTUS might impact you on your operation, regardless of what side you're on. Let's just make sure they hear those comments. We'll share that post on Twitter. Jackie, another thing I want to ask you about ocean shipping uh, that has recently sort of reignited as a discussion on Capitol Hill. Uh, what is Congress looking to do about ocean shipping? So this is something that obviously everybody knows that the port situation has been very troubling. And this is something that that really was was going on before COVID, but COVID really revealed a lot of the additional shortfalls. And we've seen um, issues with a lot of boats going back to China empty and the cost is obviously in their favor. And so last year in the House, both uh, Dusty Johnson from South Dakota and John Garamendi from California put together 
and really did a great job of working with the industry. A lot of the folks who have been impacted, the dairy industry, um, a lot of the specialty crop growers that do a lot of shipping, especially with containers, not necessarily, you know, your, your bulk grade. I mean, there is some soybeans and some uh, identity preserve type uh products that go over, but they all work together. And basically they're, they're wanting to, to keep, give some teeth to the federal maritime commission of being able to hold, hold those shippers accountable. Um, and, and the carriers really, there's not a lot of, we have a lot of foreign owned carriers who are coming in. And so basically they're trying to say, if you're going to import and export here, you've got to, you've got to have some some shared values that we want. And uh, the the House overwhelmingly passed that in December. And just last week, uh, Senator Thune and Klobuchar also dropped their bill in the Senate. There, there'd been a lot of anticipation of them doing that. And so I think they are finally hoping to get get some momentum moving. And, you know, last week we talked and uh, Secretary Vilsack on Monday, USDA had announced a a joint project with the port of Oakland to to get a basically a pop-up site to have some of these empty containers be filled with ag products so that once another boat needs something they can quickly you know take these ones on these kind of side offsite and and get them on boats and so there's there's going to be we need to have some short-term solutions some long-term solutions some partnerships between the private and public sector and uh, this is another bill that I think would provide some of that long-term support to make sure that there's a reciprocal trade uh, and making sure that if you want to have things come into the U.S., then you also need to make sure that you're you're sending them out. And uh, so a lot of good things. I think there's some good momentum there, a lot of bipartisan momentum, which, you know, you and I have talked about, too, the, the need to have a bipartisan effort to get some of these big things across. And it was overwhelmingly bipartisan in the House, and hopefully they can see it in the Senate and and get it across the finish line. All right. Well, time will tell. Do we know when they're going to start discussion on this bill in the Senate, Jackie? Uh, you know, so it's introduced. Um, I've not heard anything yet of it actually, you know, they would have to vote it out of committee. So just because the bill is dropped, they'd have to have, approve it in the committee, then have a full vote in the, in the Senate on it. If they make any changes to what the House did, that then they would have to conference that. And so I think we've got, you know, a little bit of time here to see where where they end up. Uh, and and I think Dusty and Garamendi last week, you know, they had some pretty clear, let's just get this passed. And I think they're pretty confident that if they can get to conference, that there's probably not a huge, huge changes that would need to be made. But obviously you you do want um the ability to have a good open debate. And so if there's some good things that can come out of the Senate, then you'd go to conference and then you would have a conference bill and then you'd have to take it up again in in the House and the Senate. You know, the Senate has got a lot of nominations that they're still going to take up. And so it, the the legislative calendar is just tricky. Uh, it, but I, I do think there's bipartisan support. So hopefully they'll be able to to get it across the finish line. And Jackie, the House Ag Oversight Committee is underway. Talked about the Farm Bill already, right? Yeah. So last week we we started. We had some. Uh, the House Ag is is really kind of picking up on on that oversight of the Farm Bill as we head into 2023. They're taking this opportunity here in 2022 to see if there's things that need to be evaluated or changed. Uh, the conservation programs were highlighted last week in uh, oversight hearing. Undersecretary for the really the farm programs, FPAC, uh, Robert Bonney will be on Capitol Hill Tuesday morning. And uh, again, just having that overview of what policies are working well and changes. And also Secretary Vilsack's out in Missouri today to make some climate smart announcements. And so again, USDA is, is really focusing in on a lot of this and and we're hearing more of that. We're hearing some- We're hearing more. We're hearing more, Thank definitely. You, so so Thank you, Jackie Facka. We'll be back with more AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma. 
not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of extend max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Today, more than 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's. And more than 11 million family members and friends serve as their caregivers. While researchers are working tirelessly to end Alzheimer's and all other dementia... The number of people living with Alzheimer's is expected to more than double by 2050. The toll of the disease is monumental, and its devastation affects family, friends, and especially caregivers. No one should face Alzheimer's and dementia by themselves. If you or someone you know is struggling to provide care to a loved one, please share this message. You are not alone. Free help and resources are available 24-7. To talk with an expert and obtain disease-related information, care, and support services, call 800-272-3900 or visit the Alzheimer's Association website at alz.org. You are not alone. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Each week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. Tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. 
Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, the equity markets have been hot lately. We've been talking about this with, I think, all of our analysts that have come on the show. We have seen the stock market really moving. And this time of year, here at the end of January, first part of February, we are getting quarterly earnings reports from a lot of companies who are on the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, you name it. This is the time of year they tell us how 2021 was for them. And importantly, for agricultural producers, what's happening right now is the meat processors are reporting their weekly earnings. Of course, we've talked quite a bit about the profitability in that sector over the last year. Tyson Foods is the first company to report their earnings. They did that this morning here on the February 7th. And well, Shocker, shocker, they were pretty darn good earnings in 2021 for Tyson. They reported earnings of $2.87 a share for the first quarter 2022, which for them is is underway now. That compares with $1.94 a year ago, so almost a dollar per share in additional earnings versus the end of 2020. Um, the analyst estimate compiled by Bloomberg expected to see $1.93 in earnings, so it was significantly higher than what a lot of folks had estimated. Sales for first quarter 2022 were $12.9 billion compared with estimates of $12.2 billion. So we are expecting to see lots of profitability for the meat packer. Now, meat processors, of course, have come under a lot of fire over the past two years, particularly in the beef side, but there's also been complaints on the chicken side. Some of those have been litigated, and there's been complaints on the pork side. There's a lot of frustration in the countryside with how packers treat growers. Well, the Biden administration and the USDA under Tom Vilsack has been listening to a lot of that, and they've worked together with stakeholders to build a new website that you can log into and report tips or complaints if you believe that uh, the, the packers or processors you're working with are in violation of the Packers and Stockyards Act. Now, we've been talking about this potential new website on the show here, uh, well, for a little while. I know Mike Adams discussed it before retirement. This is something that's been in play since about last summer. Well, on Friday, the USDA announced this new website. This can be found at usda.gov slash farmer fairness, all one word, F-A-R-M-E-R-F-A-I-R-N-E-S-S, -S, farmer fairness, just like it sounds. And the USDA dropped this website on Monday, excuse me, on Friday, and this is the portal through which you can submit a complaint. I've just opened it up for the first time today to take a look at it. It is fairly simple. There's a big blue button that says click here to file a complaint, and you can log right in. It tells you who to email. Uh, here it is, PSDcomplaints at USDA.gov, Packers and Stockyard Complaints, PSD complaints dot at usda.gov and this is for any challenges any issues complaints or tips you might have relating to the packers and stockyards act usda does say they're going to receive this information through the website they're going to pass it on to the department of justice and they're going to look at it in the usda and they say that every complaint will be looked at they also note that any information you provide is voluntary and if you use vulgar language your comment might not be processed. So if you're logging on to make some comments, uh, complaints about the Packers and Stockyard Act, keep it clean, keep it factual. If we need to do some, some work as a government to target these meat processors, let's make sure we're providing the best information we can. That website, again, usda.gov slash farmer fairness. Check that out if you are frustrated with how your packer or processors have been treating you over the the past, uh, well, any period of time, any complaints can be logged on right there. Looking around the world, one of the issues that has been brought up a few times on the show over the past several weeks is what could happen if China were to lock down their ports? Obviously, exports into and out of Chinese ports have kept the ag markets running very strong over the past two years, and several market analysts have had concerns about what might happen if China were to report COVID in a port city. We've seen China lock down, uh, lock down several cities so far. They announced this morning that they are locking down another one. This is a city of about 3.6 million people. 
So when they lock these things down, they're doing it in a big way. This is the southwestern city of Base, I believe. B-A-I-S-E is the Chinese city that is now being locked down. The government has reported 99 COVID cases, which, of course, here in the U.S. sounds like very, very small. But thanks to China's COVID zero policy, any COVID cases are too many, and the government will be restrong, responding strongly, and this is where we're seeing it. So as of right now in the city of Base, the reason I wanted to bring this up and, and raise this to our attention is because Base is a city on the country line with Vietnam. It is, is a point of access. And so what we've seen China do in Base tells us how they might potentially react to COVID being found in a port city. And what they have done in base is lock it down. Any non-essential travel is suspended. All non-essential businesses, public transport, and school sessions are delayed. And importantly, opening of ports of entry along the international border, in this case with Vietnam, have been delayed. They haven't closed them. They're just so far shrinking down the amount of time those ports are going to be opened. Ports of entry, I should say, are going to be open, and they will continue to be testing people coming into the country. So this shows that China, as the Olympics continue, they are still holding tight to that COVID zero policy. And as agricultural producers who are relying on the Chinese and and I, when I say relying on the Chinese, what I mean is the Chinese have pumped a lot of money into our ag markets over the past year. If their ports shut down and they have no way to take those products in, they could stop buying. So we are still in an area, Jim McCormick talked about it earlier on the show, that we have risks out there, particularly some risks that things could slow down. So that's happening out in China. We're also seeing some concerns. U.S. officials earlier today called for concrete action from China. They're looking back at that phase one deal and saying, hey, China, you did not really purchased $200 billion worth of U.S. goods and services, and now they're analyzing what can be done now that there has been a sunset of that phase one deal. We'll have more discussions about what comes next after phase one with Chinese trade experts here on AOA, so do continue to tune in. Folks, find us on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show, and we look forward to talking to you tomorrow right here on AOA. Thanks for listening and have a great day, everybody. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Oh, nice engine. Supercharged. Yep. High porosity and aggregates. Yep. Porous medium for gas exchange. Uh-huh. Microbial catalytic potential and repository for carbon and nitrogen. Check, check, and check. Oh, man, that is good under the hood. And to think I used to be impressed with hammies. So, when was the last time you looked under the hood at your farm's production engine? At your soil? Is it as healthy and productive as it can be? Stop by your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out and unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by NRCS and this radio station.